All right, this morning we're gonna, I'm going to teach a little bit. If you remember two weeks ago, we started this series called Homemade. And um, that first week I was getting a, some stuff off my chest, stuff that I felt like as a shepherd and you, the sheep entrusted to this flock, that um, it'd be helpful for you to know. And there's more of that that I want to share this morning as we talk about homemade. And the whole series, the main verse comes from Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5. And look what it says. It says, And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place, upon every house of Mount Zion, and up on her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night, for upon all the glory shall be a defense. You may remember I said the two most underrated institutions, I believe, in our culture, the two most underrated is the family and the church. And the family is foundational for us to become functional, healthy beings. But how many of you know some of us grew up in families that were more dysfunctional than they were functional, which is probably most of us, so don't feel bad, okay? The good news is God puts fun in dysfunction. And he can turn what you have been through, all your trauma. Hear me, brothers and sisters. All the abuse, all the stuff you've been through, he can turn it around and use it for your good. He can heal you and deliver you. When you grow up in a family that mm, left you with a little more need than what was deposited into you, he plants you in a church. And I believe that one of the most underrated institutions, one, one of the most underrated powers, if you will, in our culture is the power of the church. It's important that God establish biblical outposts, kingdom outposts through local churches. Um, from this verse, we see that he wants to establish his glory on your house, where you live how many of you could stand a little glory on your house your husband needs it amen and then he says and when you come together in assemblies when you get together as my people I want my glory there I don't want you just to get together out of religious ritualistic obligation I want when you get there for something to happen I want to be there that's God's desire okay Philip Yancey said as I look around, oh shucks, my iPad is not cooperating with me. As I look around on Sunday morning at the people populating the pews, I see the risk that God has assumed. For whatever reason, God now reveals himself in the world, not through a pillar of smoke and fire, not even through the physical body of his son in Galilee, but through the mongrel collection that comprises my local church and every other such gathering in God's name. We are a motley crew of a bunch of mongrels and God has entrusted that the body of Christ, that Jesus went back to heaven and that we get to be Jesus in the earth now. If you didn't know what the Bible said, you'd feel, be feeling like me. God is in trouble. But he's not because he sent his spirit to shape Jesus in us. 
And we're no longer a motley crew, a bunch of mongrels, a bunch of needy, dysfunctional people. We are the saints of the living God. And he wants to visit us and transform us every time we get together. He wants to set his glory over our homes. I'm frustrated as a pastor that we are so indifferent about our church involvement. We're so casual about its effectiveness and our role and that the average believer could, could take it or leave it, you know. Now I want to just, these are just things I want to say to you as your shepherd, your pastor, because I love you. If you ever move, I pray that you move within walking distance of a vertical church. If you ever leave this area, I pray that you'll move within walking distance of a vertical church that is changing the community in which you live. If you don't ever move, I pray that you get involved in this one and you act like your family's well-being depends on the health of this church because it does. It's a great opportunity for me for you to say amen, so I'm going to stop and pause so you can say it. Now, your, your family's well-being, believe it or not, is largely dependent on the health of the place where you worship. Don't look at me in that tone of voice that says, I, I, we have a healthy family. We, we're solid believers, and we don't, we don't really need the fellowship of a local church. Then you're the first family in the history of mankind that God would say, okay, you don't need to be a part of one. You need it for a million reasons. You need to be around people who aren't really like you. You need to be around people that irritate you. You need to be around people that cause you to need the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Because Jesus isn't growing in you if you're out on some spiritual cruise for the glory of God, you know, every weekend. No, you need to be a part of a local church. And this shouldn't even be, have to be taught. It should, when I was growing up, this was standard. You're a part of a local church. And the only thing I hate about Facebook is some of y'all, I love you, but you're at home and you should be here. Everybody just tuned off and put the dislike button up on what I'm saying, but it is what it is. Psalm 92. There's so much scripture I have to share this morning. I'm going to just do the best I can. I love Psalm 92. It has a couple verses that are so foundational and just awesome. I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just read them. Sometimes the Bible says things you go, like it starts off, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Duh. How many of you say duh? But sometimes people don't realize it. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, almost high, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Verse 4, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works. O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. I love this. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this, colon, what? That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers evil flourish, they are doomed to destruction. Listen, underline, highlight. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Why? Because they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. And I love this, verse 14. Come on, prime timers, help me out. They still bear fruit in old age. 
I love a bunch of frisky senior citizens, don't you? Come on, somebody. Look at New American Standard. I think it's there. It says, and they're still virile. Don't Google the, the meaning of that word right there, but you know what it means? They're still intimately able to produce. Who needs Viagra? Just get planted in the church of the Lord. Like I said, some things should be unsaid. The message says, how magnificent your work, God. How profound your thoughts. Dullards never notice what you do. Fools never do get it. If you're like me, sometimes in the message you go, what's a dullard? Look it up. It says, a dullard is a slow or stupid person. Anybody ever know a dullard? Just call them a dullard and they won't even know what you're talking about. But it says, fools never do get it. Mark, Pastor Mark, we're planning some worship stuff for the next year. And he said, what, what are you thinking the, the theme has God given you a theme for 2020? And, and he has. And it's this right here. And I, I don't want to preach the whole deal, but it, it, listen, it says, fools never get it. And what I'm going to talk about in 2020 is getting it. How many places do you go? How many situations do you find yourself in? How many concepts are you dealing with and you, it goes, you don't get it? Do you know how many people live their life walking through day by day and they don't, they don't get it. If you ever talk to one of your kids about something and you've explained it as good as it could be explained and, and, and they, they don't get it. And all you can say is go, you just don't get it. I have asked the Lord 24-7, I want to get it. You know, when I come to church, I, I don't want to just come to church and be here. I want to, I why am I here? What's my purpose? What's the possibility of this moment? You may think I'm, I'm silly, but we, we went out to dinner with a relative, relatively new family on Friday night, Judah and Evie Regenstrife, and we were sitting there, and before we went, I, I was like, I, I want to get it. I want to squeeze everything I can squeeze. And I even said to myself, you know, I, I want to talk more about them than we talk about me. And I, I, I want to encourage and edify. I want to... I want to enjoy it. We don't get to go out on Friday night. We have football season, and we have a bye this past. And I was like, I, I, I want to enjoy this. As opposed to, I wonder what I'm eating. I wonder, what, 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 wonder how much it's going to cost. What? Oh, man, I'm here, but there's things. Wonder what, where, where the kids, I, you know what I mean? We just, we find ourselves all the time. We, we don't get it. And we sat down there. What was Evie's first question? So tell us about all seven of your kids. And I said, no, Evie, I talk every Sunday. I've talked 98% of the time you've known me. I've heard you say two words. Tell me about your two children. You know what I'm saying? That's beside the point, but how many times do you, like you get more bills at the end of the month than you, and do you get it? Are you able to hear what God's saying, every situation? Or, or, or do the facts of this life and the ebb and flow of the culture and peer pressure and, hey, 
You should be stressed. Your doctor said your blood pressure is blah, 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 blah. Do you get it? Do you get it? The Bible says fools never get it. Get what? He goes on, he says, they don't understand, fools don't understand that, yeah, the wicked may prosper in this life, but their prosperity is short-lived. So get the fact that you may not be prospering like they are, but they're like grass. They're here today and they'll be gone. Understand what's he saying. Understand you're here this long and eternity is from here to California. Don't be worried about this. He said, fools never get that. Has it ever bothered you that people don't know Jesus, never get sick, their children behave, they're on honor roll, they get all the scholarships at Georgia Tech and Georgia, and here I am trying to put pennies together to send my kids to perimeter college. That's not true, but you know what I'm saying. And you, you, we stress, he said, fools never get that. What else do they not get? He says, fools never understand that the righteous flourish like a palm tree not a spruce where are palm trees at the beach they're tropical and then he mentions this is a whole sermon just these two things a palm tree you'd have to understand who he's writing to and what he's saying that fools never understand that the righteous they're like cedars in Lebanon. I, I don't have a lot. Cedars in Lebanon can grow anywhere, and they'll last for, they have some cedars that are over 2,000 years old. And he says, the ones, righteous people who are planted in the court of the Lord, who are, who have, listen, roots in the church of God, the house of God. They're like palm trees and cedars that through droughts, through floods, people who get planted, they bear fruit forever. And you know, look, look what it says. The Passion Translation talks about prime timers. It says, even in their old age, they will stay fresh bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. And it says, listen to them. How many prime timers are looking for somebody that you can just talk to about a little wisdom? You've got something to say because you've been rooted, bearing fruit. Listen to them with pleasure. They still proclaim, you're so good. You're my beautiful strength. You've never made a mistake with me. I, I've got a policy. Brothers and sisters, can you think about having roots of maturity that are so deep that at one day at 80 years old, 85 years old, you will be able to say with confidence, God, you've never made a mistake with me. Are y'all out there this morning? Does this speak to anybody? This isn't just a faith that gets us through our, our prime, our 40s and 50s. No, we see here that the older you get, the sweeter you'll get. The more fruitful you'll get, the more wisdom. You'll have something to say. I wish somebody, do you catch a pic? I, you, you've heard me say, I was 35 once, I'm 54 now. And 
getting old isn't all that bad. I kind of like it. You get more wisdom, more respect. You don't, you don't stress over things you used to stress. You have more self-awareness. You know what I'm saying? You don't, but that's okay. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of the Lord. Listen, they're, look, number one, they're planted. Do you know God's a farmer, not an engineer? Sorry, Lou, he's just not. He doesn't have a formula and go, voila, boom, get that eight-ton plane off the ground. No, he's, he's not a microwaver, he's a marinator. He, he plants all, th- what'd he do? He planted the human race where? In a garden. He was buried where? In a garden. He was standing there, and when he was resurrected, the two ladies at the tomb said, they didn't even realize who he was. They, it says they thought he was the gardener. He was. He still is. What does that mean? It means you're going to have to be patient. Moving right along. They're planted. So listen to this. They get nurtured. What does that mean? When seeds go in the ground, the seed for it to produce fruit, it has to die, right? And once it dies, it's depending on things outside of itself to be able to mature into what its purpose is. Brothers and sisters, I may make it halfway through this sermon. Brothers and sisters, look at me. For you to get rooted and become all that God, for you to fulfill your purpose and your destiny, He will nurture you. And you will have to depend on things outside of yourself. Influences, forces outside of your control for you to become all that He wants you to be. So that when you're old, you'll be able to say, you have never made a mistake with me. Planted, nurtured, and then marinated. They grow at a different pace, a slower pace. You mature, but not overnight, not a microwave. You get marinated. So don't allow yourself, listen, to get uprooted from the house of God if you can help it. Learn to live by His principles so they can nurture you and be patient. I sense the Holy Spirit on that right there. Be patient. There are no true overnight successes. There might be people you didn't know one day and overnight the next you do. But their story was a long time getting them to that place. Now, let's go back where we were a couple weeks ago. And this is where I want to polish off and finish. The Corinthian church. If you have your Bibles, and I I hope you do this morning, um, or on your iPhones or iPads or whatever you have, Go with me to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at a couple different passages. This is the church where Paul, he writes to them, and he offers them some instruction. And if you've ever thought, man, I'd like to be a part of the um, New Testament church. Well, they were much like us. They dealt with the same issues that we deal, deal with. And this one was certainly messed up because it lived in a very sensual immoral culture. The New Testament church had a share of problems. The remarkable 
remarkable thing about the Corinthians church is not that they had problems, but that they didn't have more problems. Corinth was the most corrupt city in the Roman Empire, and it got so bad that three different groups of people from the church traveled to see the Apostle Paul and to tell them, we need your help. There's a bunch of crazy stuff happening in our church. And this is how Paul responds. He writes letters. He sent Timothy to help them as well. They were dealing with immorality, division, litigation. There were lawsuits, sexual immorality. Even its name became a verb to Corinthianize, meant to practice prostitution. The city's chief deity was Aphrodite, and you can imagine all the ramifications of that. She was the goddess of licentious living, and a thousand professional prostitutes served in the temple dedicated to her worship. The spirit of this city showed up in the church and explains how and why Paul addressed them the way he did. Everybody look here. So we're talking about a church in the New Testament, first century, in Vegas, if you will, down off Bankhead Highway, strip clubs, alcohol, drugs. Nobody wanted to live there. The property values were terrible. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look what it says here on the screen. Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here's what he says. Such were some of you. Wait a minute. Yep, he said it. You were sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practiced homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, swindlers. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You know, when you, when you start building a church or when you start leading spiritually and God builds the church, God sends all kinds of people. And I'm thankful that even right now, he's sending broken people. Some are really broken, really broken. And some are functional and healthy and they can help shoulder the load. And the beauty of this is, listen, it was Brian who came from Phoenix Coffee this summer who has planted a church for the down and out, the lost, the last, the least. And he said the reason he left mainline denominationalism where he was on staff was he realized most churches aren't equipped to see a broken person come to Christ and walk them through to healing. And I see here that we, we should welcome everybody that comes. And in from this side of the room to this side of the room, we were mongrels. We were broken. There's people who've been in the cartel. There's people who have been abused every way you can be abused. And you may go, why do you always get so passionate? Because I walk with these people. And I live with them. And I want to be here. 
And if a, if a broken person can't come and get help at the church, where can they go? Nowhere. You know what else I've seen? I've seen members of the Colombian cartel get radically transformed and father people in the spirit and disciple men like one of our elders who is at this church. But such were some of us. We're not Ivy League. Our uncle wasn't the priest of the Episcopal Church. Many of us don't have apostolic blood. Most of us, there were times that we didn't need, that we prayed they wouldn't test our blood to see what's in it. But now the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And we are planted in the house of the Lord. And we will flourish in the courts of our God. If you're going to praise the Lord, come on. Praise him like you mean it this morning. letter Paul writes to them it's a pastoral letter to help correct them before we revisit there's three things I want to say from 1 Corinthians 14 that we studied a couple weeks ago but before we do that I want to I want to remind you everybody listen the Word of God is so awesome so awesome can I get a witness sometimes I read verses and I know some of y'all look at me like that's in the Bible yeah that's why I want you to get into it. It will, it, will, it will revolutionize your life. It'll change your life. Verse 12, uh, chapter 12, before we get to 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 14, Paul, it's, the, it's more than any other place in the Bible, it offers instructions on when we come together, what are we to do? What are the rules that govern when we come together? And what are we to expect? So before we get to chapter 14, what does he say before that? Well, chapter 12, he says things like, um, we are the body. We are a body, the body of Christ. And I would ask you, have you ever been a part of a church that's a true body? In chapter 12, verse 7, he says, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 12, for just as one body for just as the body is one and as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 20 and 21, he says, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he says this, I will show you the more excellent way. Does anybody know what the next chapter is? The great love chapter. So first, we are a body. We function. You may be the pinky, you may be the ear, you may be the nose, you may be the mouth, you may be the elbow. But you've got to be part of the body so that the life and witness of Jesus Acts chapter 29 can continue in the world. I will show you the more excellent way. Look at chapter 13. It's so, it starts out with this. Some of this, 
going to be music to your ears. Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am what? Come on, say it with me. I am and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Can I get a witness? When I was a child, Paul said, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now, faith, hope, and love remain. Abide in these three, but the greatest of these is love. And then we open up to where we were last two weeks ago and I just want to make a couple summary statements in Ephesians I'm sorry in 1st Corinthians chapter 14 if you have your Bibles how many of you are there either in a Bible an iPad a device please get there with us sometimes I don't put them up there intentionally because I want to train you you, you don't go to work in the morning without brushing your teeth if you do you you'll probably be looking for a job eventually or you'll at least go to lunch by yourself. Y'all out there? And I'm crazy. I, I'm crazy. I know I have unrealistic expectations. But bring your Bible to church. Or, or a device that you can see it off of. Is that fair? Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Look at verse 4 and 5. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself, builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Look here, brothers and sisters. The first word I want you to, from this passage, is the word edified or built up. I don't have time to get in and, and people read this and go, oh, see there, he doesn't want you to use tongues. And then there's other people going, yeah, see, he said, I, pr I, want, I speak in tongues more. I want everybody to speak in tongues. This isn't even about tongues right now. We're talking about when we come together, why do we come together? Look at me. We come together to get edified. An edifice, a building. Look at me. We come together so that in you, Edwin, that, that the Spirit of God can build up Jesus in you in you Gilbert we come we get together and your being in this place should make you a better husband a better father a better employee a better neighbor you're here why do I go to the gym and why do I do what I do so I don't have 54 year old um, flabby biceps that's why I, I do it so I can be built up, strong, healthy. It's, this is the temple of God. I only get one of them, and I'm going to take good care of it. 
In the same way we do those things physically, spiritually, we come not to check this off of our list. Look, we don't come here to be entertained. In some churches, you can be entertained. We don't come here to be educated. Although you'll know, you'll learn some stuff. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. We don't come to get smarter. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus looked at them and said, you memorize, study, and you've become experts in the law, the scripture, thinking that that might give you eternal life. The scripture testifies about me, and you don't even recognize me. Being a smarter biblical theologian doesn't guarantee anything. We don't come to be educated. And listen, we don't come to evangelize. This gathering right here is not about evangelism. Churches that make their main gathering all about evangelism will starve the believer to death. We come for you to be built up so that when you leave, you are an evangelist. We come here that you'll be built up, not have flabby biceps or triceps, so that when you go out there, people will see Je Holy Spirit is, is building Jesus in you. Where is that happening? Well, it's over on Rucker Road in North Fulton. Really? What time is your service? That's how it's supposed to happen. We've gotten this stuff backwards. And preachers stand up on Sunday morning going, do I entertain? Do I educate and impress everybody how smart I am and make them smarter? Do I evangelize? And what we have are a bunch of starving believers. Listen, we have people that, I want to be blessed. I love what Francis Chan said recently. He got tired of people on the West Coast going, um, I just didn't really like the worship this morning. And Francis said, great, because we weren't worshiping you. It doesn't matter if you liked it or not. We're worried about, did he like it? Are y'all out there this morning? We've gotten this whole thing back. If we were a business, somebody, some consultant will come in and go, now wait, what, is, what are y'all trying to do? What did your founder leave you to make disciples? Okay, tell me about your disciple-making strategy. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you, are you becoming a disciple? My, it's, my job is not to bless you. My job is not to entertain you. We don't want you to get a bless, uh, we don't want you to get like excited. Excitement fades and it actually leaves you in a worse state. We want you to be blessed. And here's the beauty of this whole deal. We can go, well, let's entertain them. Let's excite them. Let's build enthusiasm. In them. And the American church has gotten good at that. And, and we have excited people. And we have impressive stuff. Here's the beauty is, if you build the kingdom, and you start seeing men come into Christ at Waffle House and on Wednesday nights, and you start seeing marriages restored, and crack addicts delivered, and people who've been on drugs 43 years get delivered like we have in the last 12 months, that's about the most entertaining, enthusiastic, exciting thing I can, I've ever heard of in my life. Come on, somebody, praise Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. 
quitting time. Two more quick things. The second word is the word understanding. Everybody look here. He's in eight times in verses six through twenty-five, Paul uses the term understanding. He says, if we speak in an unknown language and we don't interpret it, people won't know what to do. If if we preach and they don't understand, there's no understanding. And pray for me, brothers and sisters, when we get together on Sunday mornings. This, this is not, I'm, I'm treating this whole chapter differently, so don't hold me, I thought you were Pentecostal. I don't have time to even do that side of this chapter. I'm talking about when we come together. Like, there are people who read this and go, see there, even in the chapter before it says, Pastor Chuck, that tongues will cease. There'll be a day when there'll be no more. Yeah, it also says knowledge will cease too. Has that ceased? No. He's talking about when Jesus comes back in purity and he comes to return for his bride. So I'm, I'm not getting into that whole side of it. And, there, and there, that's a worthy thing for us to take a Sunday morning and talk about. But what I'm talking about is this. Paul is saying, use the Spirit. This is not a case going, hey, look, look, those New Testament spiritual gifts they've just created so much chaos why don't we do like a lot of other denominations have done and let's do away with them and let's just appeal to you know the main message really so you want to you think getting rid of the supernatural yeah then what we're going to have to do is educate believers we're going to have to entertain and inspire and enthuse, help them get enthused. No. Paul is not saying, do, Paul is saying do this. Help people understand. And he's not saying don't, don't give a message in tongues anymore. He's saying give one but make sure it's interpreted by someone who has the gift of prophecy or the gift of interpretation. Let me, let me say something right here. And he says, don't do it more than two or three times in one service because it's just too much. There won't be time for other things. Keep this thing balanced. You know what else he said? And when, it's, when the prophecy comes forth, let others weigh it. Because if it's all, if the guy who, or the woman who offered it, if it, if, if it's off base and sometimes people miss, then that person needs to kind of calm down and chill out. And they need to grow and mature. Because when you, listen, we don't treat the spiritual gifts like, let's hide them and pray that the Holy Spirit doesn't come out on Sunday. Look at me, look at me. I'm 54 years old. I've been in North Atlanta. I, this pastoral tension is real. And you go, do we get rid of the gifts? No. Your pastor wants to teach us so we have full understanding. Why? Because Paul says, if you do it with no understanding, outsiders will be here on Sunday morning, and they'll see it being like a spiritual circus in here, and they'll leave going, those people are crazy. And Paul says, they're right. That's crazy. But look, please, he says, but if you do it with understanding and in order, that non-believer non will leave. First, 
says, his heart will be laid bare. God will speak directly to him, and he will leave and say, this one thing I know, God was there. You know, here's the problem. We get together for church, and even the believers can leave and go, I'm not sure if he was there or not. It was a good service, but I'm not sure if he was there. God, forgive us for getting together and not paying the price in prayer and fasting for him to send his glory. You know what my prayer is? That every person in this neighborhood, within a half a mile of here, they feel conviction. They feel drawn like an irresistible magnetic force because the glory of God and the love of God is being so poured out in this place. I pray that your, your unsaved son who's grown and struggling, if he comes to church here on Easter, I pray that God wraps his arms around him, loves on him so much, and reveals himself to where it's impossible for him to leave here without surrendering his life to Jesus. Don't look at me like that's impossible. It might be impossible in North Atlanta, sophisticated church, but not in North Atlanta, balanced biblical church. Y'all tracking with me? Last thing, order. Order, order, order. Put Paul's here at the very end. He says, do these things decently in an order. Anybody got verse 39? What's it say, verse 39? Anybody have it? And then verse 40, Josh says what? You know what that term right there? So he says, don't forbid the spiritual gifts. Do them decently and in order. You know what that term, when you look at it in the original language, it's a term that talks about style. It's a term that's related to ballet. It's a term that's like plie. I had a daughter that danced. You Look at me. Ballet is not a mosh pit. Ballet is synchronized, it's beautiful, and it's always reflecting, and they're always looking up. And God's saying, Paul is saying in the Word, hey, when the spiritual gifts are done decently in order, it will point everybody to do this. I wish I could do it like Caroline. Ballet, it's more in their hands than their feet. They just... And they get trained on exactly how to hold them and stuff. And people think, oh, I don't deal with spiritual Pentecostal churches because they're like mosh pits, like, hey, come on, jump out here, you know. You know? Even break dancing has, you know, like, you know? That's more order than a mosh pit. I shouldn't have done that. That was the Lord. It's the glory of the Lord. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. How do we close a service like this? By, by, me, saying, by me saying this. You've, if, if this isn't the church, God has... When I came back a few years ago, I was sitting right there, and God, I went to my knees, and the Lord spoke to me. said, this is your land. These are your people. That's what God spoke to me. And I was, I've was i been able to weather whatever. I pray that, listen, you 
are not a fool that never gets it. I pray that you are going, Pastor Chuck, I heard something similar. This is my land. These are my people. And I want to be a part of the, I want to be a part of the, we give you glory. And we do things decently in order, and the supernatural comes every time we get together. And I'm going to be planted. And if I'm planted, I will flourish in the courts of my God. Tom, Mary, Jerry. Linda, right? Susie, Blanca, Pam, all of us, we were mongrels, but the blood of Jesus. And now we are going to flourish and bear fruit even in our old age. We're going to have something worth listening to. But you can't go, ah, I'm there twice a month. I go once a month. Nobody knows me. Nobody misses me when I'm not there. Look at me, brothers and sisters. If this is your land and these are your people, you've got to help us care for this place. I promise you I'm closing in the next couple minutes, but everybody, I feel that I should say some things as, we, as God is rebuilding Restoration Church for His glory. Don't come as a renter going, ah, we like it, but the children's program. We like it, but we like it, but come like David Harvey and Rhonda, who goes, he's a professional sound guy. I could see they could probably use my help. I'm going to get involved. Offer my gifts. I'm not going to sit back and go, ah, I'm looking for a church that has has a Mac Daddy sound system in it. I get to just, no. It's kind of like our oldest was playing football, and he played for a guy that was from not the South. It was about two weeks in, I'd heard more GDs and MFs than I could take. What did I do? Take my son off the team? No. I became a coach. I actually became president of the whole stinking organization because I was like, we're getting rid of GDMF and coaches. We're going to teach men how to coach, little boys. It's like fathering them. We ended up, it became the largest park in the U.S., over 900 football players in South Forsyth, eighth grade and younger. I wasn't going to sit back and let football ruin a bunch of kids and hear all kinds of junk. No, you get involved. I'm challenging you. Own this place. Help us rebuild that lobby. Help Pastor Cindy make this the best children's ministry program that there's ever been on planet Earth. Help the prayer ministry become something that the devil fears. Help make this church a place where staff even if god calls them to leave and go somewhere else they go no i'm sorry god i love these people so much 
Are y'all out there? You, can we really have that kind of church? You tell me. We can. Come on, stand to your feet.